Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time, and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with Trey Rush, owner agent of Paytech Plus, a local credit card processing company. And I really am glad you're here today because we got on this topic of credit card processing, which, as you know, because I've told you, is not a fun thing to shop. I do not consider it to be one of my favorite topics at all. And probably no one does. Mm -hmm. And there's so much bad rep in your industry. So you are swimming upstream all the time, I can imagine. Ice skating uphill. And so I, I respect the fact that you are willing to come on and basically educate and kind of try to break some of those, what do we call it? Um, stigmas. Stigmas. That's a good word for it. Try to get out of that, that stigma. Mm-hmm. And you had some really good points when we started talking about this topic things that I hadn't even thought about, you know, and I'm not really in your industry, but certainly in that, the business world, mm-hmm. a lot of things I had not considered or thought about that you brought up that I thought would make a great episode for people. A lot of business owners take credit cards mm-hmm. or ACH payments and not necessarily something fun to shop around. So this is basically what would you, if you could summarize this topic is, finding the right credit card processing company? Yeah, I would say in general, just how to, I'm trying to keep it, uh, keep it nice, but make sure just not to be taken advantage of by the industry as a whole. And that's the unfortunate thing. The first thing to realize is that it's, it's a virtually unregulated industry. It actually is, uh, and I'm not trying to uh, downplay hairdressing because I couldn't do it. I couldn't cut hair. I'd be awful at it. But I'm just saying it's, in general, you wouldn't think that it's much harder to get a license to cut hair. It's actually regulated by the state. But to uh, acquire and manage a multi-million dollar processing account takes none of that. Interesting. So there's no licensing involved at all. all. So anyone off the street can do this. So the processing companies do a very minor background check just to make sure that you haven't been convicted of any white collar or financial crimes. Outside of that, you're pretty much in. Okay. So it's... So it's up to business owners to do the due diligence to make sure that what they're looking at is credible. Absolutely. Okay. And that's daunting. It is. It's it's something that, uh, that very few people realize. I didn't for years, even after I was in the industry. And kind of what brought all this on is um, my uh, introduction to the industry was um, being hired on in middle management of one of these major processing firms that from the outside looking in, it looks very polished, very shiny, Mm -hmm. very by the books. Mm -hmm. But it was not. And you find out that these larger companies are very predatory Hmm. and take advantage of every loophole they can. And unfortunately, small business owners get the short end of the stick because larger corporations have people on staff to manage these expenses and and to stay on top of these things. So, you know, Bob at Bob's Auto that, you know, spends most of his time underneath a car or 
you know, Cindy that has a bakery that's baking cakes all day long and I, they don't have the time literally to spend to become an expert on this industry mm-hmm. and they take what they can get and it, it, it develops into this kind of uh, downward spiral of, you know, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And then over time, these rates increase by alarming rates and they end up being taken advantage of without even knowing it because it's an automatic expense at the end of the month. It just comes out, right? And if that money keeps hitting the bank account, it's really easy to not pay attention to how much those fees are adding up. It can be thousands and thousands of dollars. You're right. And I would say that's an area where I myself, I wouldn't call it necessarily complacency, but you and I have talked about this, or it's just like, I'm willing to pay more than I need to to just not deal with it because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's daunting. It's confusing. And you know, from talking to me, I don't want to deal with the technology aspect of having to learn a new software or new equipment or what have you. So you have a lot of up, like I said, you're, you're swimming uphill because you have a lot of obstacles to overcome for someone to be willing to make a switch there. Yeah. And on top of that, unfortunately, most business owners that, you know, it's not their first rodeo, they've been around for a while, have been taken advantage of a few times yeah. before uh, I've gotten to them. And, and uh, at first at first glance, you know, who am I to be any different mm-hmm. than them? You know what I mean? So it takes trust and it takes a relationship to uh, really to convince a lot of business owners to even take a look at it and even do an audit, which mm. is my main challenge. You know, it's not it's not getting them as a client. Once I've done the audit, we've either found savings or we haven't. It's pretty much a no brainer. But just convincing a business owner to take the time out of their day that there could be a lot that they're missing out on. That's the challenge. So how much does because for me, that was the main obstacle, the technology aspect. Mm -hmm. How much does it take to help people overcome that aspect of it? Um. I try to make it as simple and easy as possible because as a business owner myself, and that's where I think is the main difference between me and everyone else is that a lot of those same struggles that they deal with, I deal with. And when it comes to technology, and we were talking before we went live, I'm very weak at learning new technologies and unless it's directly payments related, but you know, anything, whether it comes to phones or internet or especially social media and all the other things you have to deal with a day to day. I'm, I almost have to have somebody hold my hand mm. through it. And if I don't, it, it, it takes me quite a while. Mm. And, and I tend to, uh, put it on the back burner for more important or, uh, immediate issues or concerns. So it, I, I fall on all those same traps. Mm. Okay. So what, how do you overcome that? What do people need to know about that? Well, I mean, and that's where I think having an actual agent, um, comes into play because unfortunately the, 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 the experience that most small business owners go through, you know, they start a business, you know, they open their checking account at their bank and their bank is usually hands them a flyer. Hey, we do merchant services, call these people. And they're like, okay, it's my bank. Sure. I'll call them. And at that point, the merchant service company, which it's not the same thing, they think it's their bank, but it's not. It's a it's a uh, partner relationship. 
Um, they, they have nothing to base it off of. So there's no rate to beat. There's no, you know, there, there's so many unknowns that these processing companies can just start them at the highest rate mm. possible because what, what's, what's there to compare it to? So they start there and, you know, this major firm they got referred to has some, you know, call center in India or the Philippines that, you know, will answer some basic questions, but there's no one to hold their hand. There's no one to say, okay, we do this and this and this and this and this. Watch out for this, this and this. And there's no ongoing incentive to keep that client happy, you know, to make sure that that business is growing. So what do people need to look for to make sure they have that? Um, it, it's, unfortunately, it's not easy. Um, I would say 95% of people that are selling, for lack of a better word, merchant services are just a W-2 employee that are employed by a bank or by a major firm. So it's like, it's a small pool. So you you would have to look around, you have to make phone calls. Um, Google is very unreliable in this. I mean, anyone can post reviews about processing, any competitor Mm. can slander someone else for no reason and the same thing. So um, I would suggest networking groups like we're a member of. I would suggest you always you should be able to find somebody there that's an agent that owns a business. Um, so that, is that important to have somebody that is a business owner? Uh, well, yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, as an agent, and I don't want to put down, you know, everyone else because there's some really good people that are sales reps, you know what I mean, in, in the industry that have the best of intentions. The problem is, is that they don't have the control, you know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they talk to a new merchant, they promise them the world and have every intention of delivering. But once that agreement is signed, that sales rep has paid their commission, their job is to move on and get another one. Mm-hmm. Their job is not to service that account and make sure that customer is happy. Their job is to keep selling. So you recommend finding an owner that's not only trying to get their sales, but also trying to keep those people happy on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because correct me if I'm wrong, in that situation, they're continuing to get a commission. Mm-hmm. It's not just a one-time thing. Yeah. When I when I acquire a client, and I'm very transparent about this, um, there's no one that pays me a commission. I am paid a small monthly commission based on the revenue. So for me, it's actually beneficial to put things in place to help that business grow, Mm. right? If if I acquire a new business and let's say they start at $10,000 a month in revenue and five years down the line, they're at a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. I'm doing much better. The business owner is doing much better. So it's in, it's in my best interest to make sure that they have all the tools, not even if it's something that I'm not selling or that I don't, I can't provide, you Mm. know, even if it's making a connection, you know, if it's putting them with an accountant that I know is going to save them a ton of money or an insurance agent that's going to save them a ton of money, anything that I can do to make sure that their business is profitable is in my best interest. That's So we're partners. Okay. That makes sense. Um, One thing that we had talked about is the merchant statements, Mm -hmm. which is something that in my world, in the bookkeeping world, we're always trying to get a hold of those statements so that for the business owner, we know what the total sales were, the gross sales, and what the fees were, Mm -hmm. because that's not always easy to find. So we're always trying to get those statements or get a login where we can obtain them. Some of it, some of those companies are convoluted. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to figure out. Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing how creative 
some of these companies have become when it comes to these merchant statements. So back in the day, I say back in the day, a little bit before I came in the industry, statements were very much like a bank statement. They were they were pretty transparent, pretty easy to negotiate and read, and it was pretty standard. It was very standard that you just get one in the month or uh, one in the mail every single month. Uh, but that's not the case no. anymore. No, it's not. No. So what happened is, is that shortly after I came in the industry, these companies decided, well, maybe we should like make them really confusing to read, like add like a ton of different line items and instead of making it simple, you know, break it down to there's literally a hundred different line items. And it's like, it's almost written in another language mm. or Greek. And at that point, they've discovered that business owners are just quit reading them all together because they didn't really know what they were looking at. And no one wants to say, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can someone help me with this? Right. So it's, they just wouldn't. Right. And so, um, they found that they could charge more and more and more, add additional fees, add, uh, increase the rates and, and increase their margins over time. Uh, and, no one would be the wiser, mm. and it, the per, per, the percentage of business owners that would catch that is very small. And then what happened? Um, I would say maybe five to seven years ago, the industry changed again, and they decided, well, if we just go green and uh, save the trees and right. save the paper, then they won't get a merchant statement at all. And it's become even more effective where now <laughs> if I walk into a business for any reason and if we're there to talk about a merchant statement and they weren't prepared ahead of time, I'd say at best I have a 30% chance that that merchant has or business owner has a statement readily yeah. available. Oh, I can speak to that for sure from personal experience. It's very difficult in some cases, but – almost never has the business owner already had that. We had to go figure out how to obtain it. And even my own statements, when you and I were talking about it, mm -hmm. you know, I got to thinking about it and thought, you know what, I have never seen a merchant statement. And I had to go figure out how to obtain it. So you're right. They do not make it really easy. And they're certainly not mailing them to you. No, no. Um, it, so there's, there's really three things that small business owners can do fairly quickly to make sure that they're not being taken advantage of that could save them thousands and thousands of dollars. And the first thing and the easiest thing and probably, and probably um, I would say the most immediate impact is to check your statement monthly. If you don't have one, find out how to get it, make the phone call, check the, the phone number on the bottom of your terminal. If you have a gateway, there's usually a support number on, the, on that gateway somewhere find out who your processor is a lot of people i would say half and that that's a an ex, a rough guess but i would say half of business owners outside the ones that use like the major softwares like quickbooks or anything like that a lot of them don't even know who their processor mm. actually is and uh and that could uh, that could seem kind of crazy but again they get busy um the first thing that i would say is like i said check your statement every single month if you get a hold of it and you, you find out how to get it to your door monthly, a lot of the companies will charge you extra, a dollar, five dollars a month to mail you a paper statement, pay it, do it. And what are people looking for when they get that statement? So most of them will try to muddle the water as much as they can, but almost all statements have two main numbers that make sense or, or that, are, uh, that are important is the total volume 
and the total amount that they charged you. And that is where it can become unclear. Sometimes, so like the three pillars of processing, you typically have a monthly fee, a transaction fee, and a percentage rate. So what a lot of companies will do is they will list out each one of them separately, but never combine it to a total number. So you have to add those together. It's just one very small example of what they can do on these statements to uh, to to make it unclear. And most people just okay, they'll look at their statement, turn to the back, and they look at the bottom number, and maybe two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars. But you have two more of those hidden throughout the rest of the statement. It's really like eight hundred dollars. Ah. I see that all the time. Mm. I see that all the time. But you know, getting that statement is the is half the battle. Learning how to read it could save thousands of dollars um and a worst case scenario get on the phone with that company and make them go through it with you you know t- take 30 minutes out of your day and maybe the person that answers the phone doesn't know how to read it either but the chances are their manager does mm. make them tell you how much did i process and what did it cost me mm. Period. That's just, that's what and I want to know. And from that, you can determine what your actual percentage rate is. Exactly. Your effective rate. Right. A lot of them will have that number at the bottom. Um, the industry is tending to shift back towards a middle ground of, you know, we can't be too convoluted because, they're, you know, they will start to lose clients over time. We do have to make it somewhat understandable. And what they've noticed is that they can make their statements a little bit more transparent if, uh, you know, business owners don't know how to find them, right? Mm. And what happened is, is they put a, a small print on that last paper statement they got that says, hey, well, if you, wanna, if you want to view your statement, you got to log into this portal mm-hmm. under the certain HTML, set up your password, register, all that kind of stuff that no one ever does. And they quit getting statements, Right? They call, where's my statement? Oh, it's on your portal. Okay, yeah, they'll go find that, sure. Um, <laughs> and some of them do, but that's that's really what you got to do. Either A, get one sent to you in the mail, which is what I recommend, or at least have read, uh, uh, access to your account online. So okay. you can at least go in and find them. Okay. So once you've checked your statement, then what? Well, you my the, the quick check that I always tell people is to take the amount that you were charged. Let's say it's five hundred dollars divided by what you process. Let's say it's fifty thousand, and you'll get a rough estimate point oh three five. That'd be three point five percent. Okay, you know what I mean. That's just like the rough way to find your effective rate. And um, if you are taking cards. Uh, Card present, meaning like you're swiping cards, they're being chipped, you know, the customers are in front of you. I would say that you would want to be between two and two and a half percent. If your card not present, you would want to be, I would say, at the highest three and a half and shoot for more three percent. Three to three and a half, if you're keying them or taking them over the phone, would be a a pretty decent goal to shoot for. Okay, gotcha. All right. So you mentioned three things to save money. So check your statement was one. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? Well, we kind of touched on it a little bit already, um, which is finding an independent agent. You know, okay. um, we, we did cover a lot of that. Um, and not to fall for the we are a direct processor gimmick. I see that a lot where people are going through their bank and they think that is saving them a ton of money. And I'm not trying to put down the banks or anything like that, but if there's one 
set of organizations that are experts at making money. It's the banks. Mm. You know what I mean? They, they, they are not charitable organizations and they don't care any more about your small business than you do. I promise you. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, find someone that, that is an agent for me, you know, t- using myself as an example, not trying to shameless plug or anything, but you know, I don't work for a processing company. They work for me. So I have three or four different processors that I can write for. And that gives me leverage in a couple of different reasons. Number one, so my rates are more competitive. My uh, compensation schedule with them is more competitive because I write so much business. And because of that, I can pass those savings along to my clients. And it, it behooves them to make sure that I have control over these accounts so I continue to write business with them, right? If I'm if a business owner has a processing account, and let's say it's even a, a relatively decent size one, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars a month, which is a great account. They're still one account. They're one business, and that's the leverage that they have. With a processing company, I represent ten to fifteen new accounts every single month. So the leverage that I have to make sure that something gets straightened out is just vastly different. I've had clients call me and say, I've spent three hours on the phone trying to get this resolved. I say, why didn't you call me? I could have this done in 10 minutes. I make a phone call, go to a direct back channel, talk to who I need to, and it's done. And they don't have to deal with it anymore. And then moving forward, they call me, text me, email me, and it's usually handled much quicker than trying to deal with it themselves. Gotcha. Okay. What's number three? So the third thing would be to um, try or have the conversation about a cash discount program. And we talked about these a little bit. And some people like them. Some people don't like them. But they're coming. A lot more people are doing them. Um, Cash discount, which is essentially presenting a cash price, your in-store price or your set price becomes a cash price, including a discount. And if someone wants to pay with a card, that's fine, but that price gets adjusted to compensate for that card price. And so um, they've call, they're have they called surcharging programs. They're called cash discounting programs. They were, man, they, they've been around since the 80s. Uh, government agencies, municipalities, gas stations have been doing them for a long time. Small businesses started doing them really heavily within the last five years when COVID hit that rate doubled absolutely doubled as far as businesses started passing along the cost of taking cards and what we've noticed is depending on the industry and a lot of these processing companies will say it's great everyone should do it I don't subscribe to that narrative I don't think it's great for everybody Uh, it is great for some businesses not so much great for others, but the conversation can be had. Go over the pros and cons, the plus and minuses, and decide if it's something that maybe you should try. That would be my third thing. Do you think that customers get irritated when they see that they're going to have to pay more to pay with a credit card? Possibly. That. I, so I'm really glad that you asked that. And some of these bigger processing companies are taking advantage of these cash discount programs because quite frankly, they are more profitable. They really are more profitable to the processing company. Um, It's how it's implemented. It's how transparent is it? And where people get irritated is when they pick something off the shelf, they go to the desk and they go to pay with their card 
and then they see extra fees on the receipt that no one disclosed them ahead of time, no one told them ahead of time, no one explained what it is. So the clients that I have that are using a program, I have very nice signage that explains all prices include a 3.5% cash price discount. If you want to pay with a card, that's fine. You choose to waive your discount. And if they, if the customers have questions, I actually have it where they can call me directly and I can explain because due to inflation, due to the cost of processing going up over time, which it has gone up every year for the last 15 years, and it's going to continue to go up at an even faster rate, right? It's like businesses get to a point where they have to raise their price. They have to. And so it becomes that question of, well, do I raise the price for everybody or what about the half of customers that are paying with cash or check? Is it right to raise my price for them because they're not paying with a card? So again, that's where that conversation has to be had. And working with an agent that can help you implement it in a way where it doesn't irritate everybody because if you don't do it right, it will. It absolutely will. Um, but I'm all about transparency. I'm about having it at the bottom of every invoice, having it clearly posted on the sign. And it, and educating the business owner and their staff how to explain it to a customer. And if they do those three things, I've I very, very rarely ever had a merchant go back to traditional once they've tried cash discount. It does happen every now and then, but it's pretty rare. Now, how do you feel about, I see a lot of small businesses that have the square, mm -hmm. like they'll have the either the reader that you put on your phone or they'll have the console... Um, I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Those seem to be gaining popularity. Are those good deal, bad deal? So I'm really glad you brought that up as well. So kind of going back to the first part of our conversation, Square and PayPal and QuickBooks have gained popularity not by being competitive with price, but just through simplicity mm -hmm. and transparency. They're almost openly saying, you know what, we're going to charge you more. It's going to be expensive. But you know what it's going to be. We're not going to add any hidden fees, any rate increases without disclosures, without plenty notice because that's what happens. Um, but there's no surprises. So we're going to charge you more, but there's no surprises. And business owners are just sometimes after a couple bad experiences, they're willing to make that compromise. It's like – you know, well, I, I think a lot of it is the convenience factor. Mm -hmm. um, with Intuit, of course, it all feeds into QuickBooks, which a lot of people use, so it's super easy yes. to set it up. And then with the, the Square equipment, I haven't personally used that, but I'm assuming it's we'll send you everything, all the equipment you need, and you just... Plug it in and go. If it's with the if it's with your phone, they will send you a, a square reader, but you actually have to buy the point of sale. Okay, and it can be five hundred to a thousand dollars depending on how how big you want to go. Um, and it's proprietary, so once you buy it, that's square only for them. You're you're locked in, you know. Um, and that's not an uncommon practice. You know, so you can buy equipment that can be used with any merchant. Absolutely. Okay. And it's like should you buy equipment? You it depends on the scenario. Okay. Again, it, it so many agents or sales reps are like I can help you. I can do better. I can save you money. I know I can. 
I don't ever like to say that because every situation is different. Every business is different. Um, and I never, I never promise anything before looking over as much of the situation as I can. Um, I would say as opposed to leasing, absolutely. Um, a very, and it's, it is, thankfully it's fading away is predatory leasing. Man, when I first started, it was very common to see these companies take a $200 terminal and lease it to a business owner at 60 bucks a month for four years. Oh, wow. And then even at the end of it, they didn't own it. Very common. Hmm. Very, very common. When it was like you could have paid 200 bucks cash, you own the terminal, hmm. and you could switch to any processor you want. Right? It's like an iPhone, right? And my iPhone, if I pay for it, if I pay cash for it, I can go to any, any I can go to T-Mobile, I can go to Sprint, I can go to AT&T, wherever I want. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend doing that. I would definitely recommend not investing a ton of money without looking hard at it. Because to your point, sometimes it makes sense if you're like in an intuit situation where, you know, you run so much of your business through that and the savings wouldn't justify the man hours or wouldn't justify the convenience that would, again, save you time mm-hmm. to make that change happen. And, and it has come up sometimes um just as an example um do you know shoba who owns a easy breezy clean company no shout out to you shoba (laughs) um when i first joined master networks we looked at her situation and she was being charged quite a bit um but the software that she used i mean she pretty much ran her whole entire business through the software so what she wasn't saving and processing she was more than making up for in the convenience and how fluid it made her business run. Hmm. So I just flat out told her, it's probably better to stay where you're at because I, I wouldn't want to do anything that would jeopardize the day-to-day operations of a business. It's rare, but those situations do come about. That's good to know. Anything else that you think business owners need to be mindful of as they're looking at this? I mean, we've we've touched on a lot of it, but if you... If you look at the statement every single month, that will by itself save you a ton of money. I actually just, and um, I I brought it with me, but I don't don't think it's going to be applicable, but I brought a statement and I had a merchant about a year ago. I talked to, we did an audit and their percentage was about 1.9%. They were a dentist's office and flower mound and I said, man, you, you got a pretty good deal. I mean, I, I can save you a little bit, but I'm not sure if it's going to be worth it for you at this point in time. And, you know, we, he's like, okay, we'll stay in touch. Uh, he calls me out of the blue about a month ago and asked me, hey, something's changed. Can we do another audit? I said, sure. We showed up and his rate went from 1.9 to 2.9% year over year. So that's, I mean, if you add, if you do the math, that's almost a 33% increase. I mean, it's almost a third that it's gone up, maybe a little less. But they added all sorts of PCI fees, which is supposed to be for, for security, payment card industry, data security standard for those that care about the acronym. But um, they've, they're charging, they charged him, I want to say a total of almost $100 a month in non-validation. And then, so they pay, so they pay for the service. To be PCI compliant, and then they pay a penalty if they're not compliant. Mm. So it's so it's like it doesn't make sense, but that's just how it works. 
and they add they've tripled the markup on the processing. It went from 0.2 to 0.6 wow. percent over cost. They added a number of different transaction fees and markups. And, you know, at that point, it became a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that's where having an agent can be very beneficial because they can go to bat for you. Hey, man, we need to fix this now or I'm going to lose this client. And that's that's a that's a big deal. You know what I mean? Having somebody that... Yeah, that makes sense. So basically an advocate. This would be a great word for it. I like that. So you're the advocate. I'm the advocate. I, I I I call my clients partners because that's what we are. We're partners. Nice. You know, without them, I sink. So we're we're in it together. So anybody that needs an advocate and wants to get a hold of you to either, I assume you would help people look at their statements All the and time. translate that and figure out what they could be doing differently that would help them benefit their business. How can they reach you? So the easiest way is my email, which is info at paytechplus.com. Info at paytech, like it sounds, P-A-Y-T-E-C-H plus.com. So from there, I will reach back out. Um, I'm. We talked about this before we went live, but you know, back to the technology thing. I'm switching phone systems and rebuilding websites. And up until recently, I've built my entire business just word of mouth and referrals. So I haven't had a need for these uh, online presence and technologies, but that's changing. Oh, so. good for you. Moving up in the world. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to be like you. I'm, I'm following your example. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. You can reach us at info at Sakline.com or our website is Sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us, everyone. By the Books is presented by Secline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Secline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit Secline.com or email info at Secline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.